A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Madlanta. We appreciate you guys making us your weekly destination to catch up with some of our favorite uh, Atlanta and Georgia guests, both past and present. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Madlanta. All right, uh, John, before we get to the, um, the professional career, tell me about John Sherholtz, the, uh, the, the child, the athlete, the interest in baseball. When did those three things come together? I think I think the interest in baseball uh, was a no-brainer. My father was a minor league professional baseball player and an exceptional basketball player. In fact, he was regarded as the Bob Cousy of his day. Uh, my grandfather was a great basketball coach. My dad's four brothers, two older and two younger, were, were uh, exceptional athletes, um, one of whom played uh, as the goalie on the United States Olympic uh, uh, soccer team, uh, my uncle Gilbert. Uh, and so they were just a bunch of athletes, and I, I grew up in an athletic environment. Maybe some of some of the athletic uh, capabilities and, and genes from my father and grandfather and, and such uh, made their way to me. And I love sports. I, I love sports all my life. I played every sport. I played football. It was football season, basketball. During basketball, I played baseball. I was never very big or strong. I was I was tenacious. I was I was I had good eye hand coordination. I had quickness. I could hit. Uh, I could feel, I could throw, I could run, but I couldn't hit the ball very far. I had, didn't have very many home runs in my career. But I played soccer in high school and college, uh, three years in high school uh, and four years in college. I started as a freshman and, and started as a senior, and uh, same with baseball. Um, I'm fast-forwarding through this, 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 this magnanimous career of mine. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I loved I loved athletics and uh, and um, it, it 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 really stimulated me to do do the other things get through um, school do well in school so that I was eligible for to play on the athletic teams and uh, it, it was a, it was a very very uh, fun circumstance for me. Well, the story of how you get into baseball, I don't know, and maybe you have a better uh, perspective on this, if it could happen today. You were teaching school and wrote a letter to the Baltimore Orioles. Is that true? I was teaching school, eighth grade, world geography and English literature and, and uh, composition and grammar. And it was called CORE, which is an abbreviation for correlated subject matters. They all interrelated. If you taught a unit on world geography, you had to take the current, find current affairs articles that uh, substantiated that from a different part of the world or whatever. And so I, I thought it was fascinating. I loved it. Uh, I had a free period, and I always had the desire to be in baseball. In fact, I went to high school right across the street from Baltimore Memorial Stadium, uh, which is now uh, torn down. But uh, I looked out my window too often, probably, and dreamed of being a player in that ballpark as a major leaguer. That was my goal in life. I was going to be a major league baseball player. I, I played well. I was a, I was an all city, uh, all Baltimore City uh, uh, all star. Uh, I was an all conference college player, but I never quite had the strength or or strength is what it was 
but I could play the game. So I wrote a letter during a free period instead of going to the teacher's faculty room. I wrote a letter. I stayed in my, in my classroom. I wrote the letter, hand wrote it, went home, typed it on one of those non-electric uh, royal typewriters where you had to bang each, each key and get, unstick them when they stuck. I wrote the letter to Gerald Hofberger, the owner. He got the letter. He forwarded it to Frank Cashin. Frank Cashin was then the president of the Orioles in 1966. He once was an attorney and once was a sports writer. That's key. He knew my family name. He knew my grandfather. He knew the, the efficacy and capabilities of the people that had the Sherholz name in sports. And he said to his staff when he got the letter and looked at it, he said, I don't know this young man at all. He said from apple butter. Uh, but I know he comes from good stock. So while I thought I wrote this magnificent uh, letter full of wonderful prose and great, great reasoning. It was about the last name that he was familiar with that got me the interview. That's fascinating. That really is. So tell me, when you start with the Orioles, what's the process like beginning there, and, and how quickly do you find yourself getting duties that you found to be interesting? Well, that's an easy question to answer. The day I walked into that office, I was on cloud nine. I mean, just absolutely cloud nine. Um, even though it was underground, had no windows, had military-type green file cabinets, had a linoleum floor. My desk, quote-unquote, was a portable typing table that had plastic caster wheels. And if I needed more room on my desk, I would flip up one of those spring-loaded wings on either side and make more room for the things I was working on. Uh, if I wasn't careful... Uh, there was another fellow who shared the office with, with me, a dear friend of mine who sadly has passed away, Jack Pastore. And, and every, if we didn't pay attention to what we were doing and didn't have the brakes set on our plastic casters, our, our desk would roll across the linoleum floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what I did, what I did, everything I did, I was fascinated by and I was committed to and I loved it. I went through, I read files, Matt. I, I had more uh, I had more paper cuts on my hands for, for two years, going through all of the files that were in the office, reading through uh, the manuals of, uh, 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 that, that, were, that ran the game of baseball at the minor league level and the major league level, educated myself, got to know what I was doing, loved every minute of it, worked hard, and, and my, title, my title was Administrative Assistant player development it could have been young boy in the office or glorified gopher uh, and either of those would be accurate so tell me about the building process of your resume and the networking you have to do to one day get on the radar as it turns out of the kansas city royals well that that was uh that was little of my doing i was the assistant i became i was hired i was the last of 13 people they, they had invited in for interviews, and the others had been completed. I was last in, and I, I had a good interview. I interviewed with Frank Cashin. He took me to Harry Dalton. He took me to Lou Gorman, who was looking for an assistant. Sadly, all three of those guys, Cashin, Dalton, and Gorman, my, my, my wonderful dear friend Lou Gorman, um, are, are all passed away. Uh, but they gave me such a grounding and a, such a, a, a foundation for what smart baseball people do and how they go about it, and how they work with their organizations. And Lou Gorman was my boss, and he and I hit it off wonderfully. And, and we worked well together. We were a good team. Lou was, was hired by the Kansas City Royals, not me. Lou Gorman was hired and given permission by the Orioles 
and he took the job in Kansas City as the director of player development. Well, before he uh, went out there, he came into my office one day and he said, John, good news. We are going to Kansas City. I said, whoa, what do you mean, we? I'm a Baltimorean. I grew up here. My family's here. My friends are here. I went to school across the street. I know tons of people here. He said, oh, well, you'll love it. It's an expansion club opportunity. It'll be exciting. We'll do well. You'll go. I said, I don't know, Lou. I'm not so sure about that. So finally, he did convince me that this was the kind of an opportunity that would be good for both of us and we could do well. And so I went to Kansas City. It was one of the great decisions I made in my life, to be honest, because you are thrown into the heat of everything that has to be done in creating an organization from the very first cornerstone of that organization. And, and Lou and I did that on the baseball operations side. Now, it was a baseball operations side primarily, but it was also a small staff. And if work needed to be done in public relations or, or work needed to be done in media relations or work needed to be done in public speaking, we did that. We did all of that. And and that was really, really uh, a, a very, very beneficial time for me in my career. Talk to me about the transition of going from – on the staff in the front office to essentially running things as the general manager. Is it overwhelming? Are you prepared for it at that point? Tell me about that time in your career. Well, in 1981, when I was named general manager uh, of of the Kansas City Royals, that was seven years into um, just about seven years into their existence. And I was 41 years old, then the youngest general manager ever in the history of Major League Baseball at 41. Now, if, if a general manager uh, is, is talked to by somebody at, at 41, he's probably, you know, something's wrong. They're 26 and 27 and 28. I mean, that's a different. This is a different world today. But I was very proud of that. I, I, I general managed that organization for seven years. We won the world championship, as you know, in 1985, uh, and we we built a strong organization. Uh, we worked well at it and hard at it, and we were regarded uh, throughout baseball as, not my words, but others, the IBM of the American League, the blue chip stock of the American League, the constantly well-run, always at the top, always doing things well and right, and that's what we did. We had great staff, we had great people, dedicated, committed, uh, uh, hardworking people that loved baseball as much as all the rest of us did. Tell me about keeping a team together and, and the culture back in, let's say, the 80s as opposed to now when the money explosion is there and, frankly, with media well, and social media, the, the impatience that exists. What's the difference in running organizations then and now? Well, the big thing is the money, the, the impatience and the expectations and the, and the social media. That, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's not such a big deal. I mean, it, 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 you have to be conscious of it, but it shouldn't alter how you think or what you decide or what your plans are or what decision you, you decide to take or what direction you decide to go. You can't let that happen. But what can affect you, if you don't have as much money as the people you're competing with and all other things are equal, that is the intellectual and, uh, capabilities of the person running the organization and, and the decisions they make and the, and the brilliance they display, if somebody else is that smart and can make those decisions likewise and has way bigger saddlebags than you, you're going to be in for a bat. You're going to be in for an uphill climb, and that's what happened in the game. Uh, and some things then started to mitigate and, and change, and people realized that okay, we don't have to worry about financially to compete with 
uh, this club on the East Coast or this club on the West Coast or this club here who's got lots of money uh, or who's willing to spend lots of money without, 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 without any boundaries. Uh, we have to find a way to, to develop our organization by signing better Latin American players, by, by scouring the earth for athletes who could be made into baseball players, by doing a better job uh, with the development of our people, by doing a better job with the scouting capabilities of those we hire for those jobs, both at the amateur level and the professional level. And we did that. We, that's what we did. That's how we did it. Our, our owner uh, had the financial wherewithal, but he was a smart businessman, and he wasn't willing to spend stupid money. He wasn't willing to do that. So we had to be creative and inventive and, and good uh, at, this, at our decision-making process. And, and for the most part, we were. Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at rose-group.com. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. So then tell me, John, how does it happen then? The connection to the Braves, the first meeting, is it Bobby? Is it Ted Turner? Is it Stan? I mean, what is like? What is the whole discussion like talking to John Charles about the opening that was created here with the GM? Well, let me say this. I never had one thought in my mind that I did Kansas City until I worked the last day of my career in baseball. We loved living there, my wife Karen and I and our two young children. Our, our, our children weren't saying our daughter. Our daughter was finishing high school when I was uh, offered the job by the Braves, and I accepted it uh, back in, in Kansas City and was going on to Kansas University and, and graduated and went to graduate school in North Carolina. Uh, and our son was in a, a rising fifth grader, and so when I, when, when I took the job, uh, we, you know, we, we talked to them and they understood what was happening. And, and, you know, our daughter went off to college and our son came with us to Atlanta and, and had a wonderful life here and career here. Uh, so it's tough, but it's, it's, you know, it's, that happens in, 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 in professions. It happens in your profession, happens in baseball profession, happens everywhere. Uh, people have opportunities. The timing never seemed uh, appropriate or right to me because a number of people talked to me about, a number of organizations talked to me about becoming general manager. I was given permission to talk. I was given permission to interview, and I did that, and I did not accept any of the jobs. Some of them were quite remarkable. Um, two of them, especially, and and uh, I because the love that we had for our living and and and, and my affiliation and my and my work in in the organization with great people, uh, but when this one came along, I just had the feeling that uh, our our principal owner Ewing Kaufman was was ill uh, uh, with, with a serious disease, 
and he was fighting through it. And it's not like I was abandoning ship because the guy who was my contact principally, and he sought a, a, a co-owner, and he brought in Avram Fogelman, who was a wonderful man, and 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 I would have been I would have been delighted to work with Avram, but I just sent I sensed that this might be the time, and I didn't seek another job. Let me make that very clear. I did not seek another job. The Braves went on a search for a general manager because they had decided that Bobby Cox was not going to be the general manager. He was going to remain in the dugout as the manager, and they went searching all across the landscape of, of professional baseball to find their the general manager they wanted. And they interviewed tons of people, and they offered the job to me. When you were in the process, and, and I'm always fascinated by the, I won't say interview process because they sought you out, but when they get to know you, how much mm-hmm. did you want to know about the owner's involvement? Because at the time, John, I mean, you're in baseball, so you're, you're knowing what's going mm-hmm. on. But from Atlanta's perspective here, it was, man, it always felt like Ted's involved. We're overspending for older guys. We know we have the minor league system that maybe is developing guys. But who's going to want to come be the guy to run point on this? So how concerned I, were you about all that? I made it very quick. Stan Caston was the principal uh, uh, person of the Braves that communicated with me. Towards the end, Terry McGurk and he – uh, when I was expressing my interest in the job and then talking about finances and all of that. Uh, but Stan was the one, and I was absolutely confident and certain that what Stan was telling me about how this operation was going to run, that I would have absolute and unfettered control of all decisions of baseball. Not he, not Terry McGurk, not Ted Turner. I would. And that was the only way I would be willing to accept the job. So give me your um, your overall thought the day you got in the door here. Again, we know the minor league system was developing players, but, it, I mean, it had been a long process since about 1985. So what was the order of things you said we've got to get right? Well, I mean, here's the funny thing. I'll tell you a story that's funny. Al Rosen had become a mentor to me. He, he, he befriended me. He liked me. He thought I had something, that, you know, that I could do this job. And he would always he would call, he would call me. He would initiate calls, and we talk about this. And when it was announced that I had been hired by the Atlanta Braves and was leaving the Kansas City Royals, Al picked up the phone and called me. He says, "John, what the hell happened? You fall and hit your head or something? <laughs> you, is this true? You left the Royals to take the job with the Braves?" And I told him, "I told him yes, I did, Al." And he just harangued me and said, and then at the end he said, you got the worst playing field in baseball. You got the and, and I said, well, I'm going to try hard to make that better, and we're going to try hard to make this a great franchise. So, you know, that was how it shocked people throughout, throughout the industry. But I had the feeling, like I had the feeling that I never wanted to leave Kansas City. This was the place where I wanted to be. I was going to spend the rest of my professional life as a uh, and, and then circumstances change in lives and and circum and circum and, uh, and and careers, and it did for me. And I ended up coming to the Braves. And I can't tell you honestly, or anybody who listens to this, that I didn't have trepidations, that I didn't have a wonderment, that I didn't write lists of uh, when I was on a plane flying from Kansas City to Atlanta and from Atlanta back to Kansas City to see my family, making lists of positives and negatives, the positives and the negatives and the positives. And, and, and I, I could have talked myself into saying, what did you do this for? Why did you make this decision? I did because I believed in the face of all of that and with all of that smoke and clutter in my mind about that decision-making, I knew that what I had done, I had decided to do, 
that this organization, because I did research, I saw, as you just suggested, the minor leagues were very strong. They had done a remarkable job. They had committed to homegrown drafting, developing, drafting, developing, signing Latin American players. They were, had done a, a wonderful job. The Major League Club, as you know, had finished last three years in a row. It was the only Major League team in 1990 that did not draw one million fans yeah. into a Major League stadium. And I knew all of that. And it, and, it, and it didn't sway me to not take the job. I, I was convinced that there is no good reason in the world why a, 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 a team located in a dynamic, growing city like Atlanta or Dallas-Fort Worth but you know why this couldn't the program that we that we had in Kansas City couldn't succeed in Atlanta and 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 it did. Well, let's go over some first impressions. What was your first impression when you met with Ted Turner? It was it was it was remarkable. He was outstanding. Stan had shared with him the conversation that he and I had about about running the team and making decisions and not being you know having your legs cut out from under. And and Ted Ted knew that. I mean, Ted was aware of that, of that. And he and he initiated the conversation with me about. Look, John. He says, I I, I own this team. I I love being the owner of this team. I don't want to be the general manager. I don't want to be the president. I want somebody here who is a ba- ex- excellent baseball person who we trust and, and and support. And 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 Stan tells me and Terry tells me it's you and you have every bit of my trust and my support. And if you ever want to come see me for any reason, feel free. My door is always open. It was that simple. What about the first impression meeting Bobby Cox? Well, I knew Bobby. I knew Bobby, Matt, uh, through our careers. When Bobby, there were times when Bobby was used as an advanced scout for playoff, uh, advanced scouting for the Yankees. Um, after the, he was a minor league manager, or he worked in, the, in, in their front office in various jobs for a while, and they'd send him out to advanced clubs. And he, he loved coming to Kansas City. He loved the ballpark. He loved how we ran things. And he and I you know, sort of built a, a gradually over time a really nice friendship. Um, and, and we'd find ourselves sometimes with Hank Bauer and some other people sitting around well after the game was over and the lights were out and everyone else left. We're still sitting in the in, in those hospitality rooms. They wouldn't close it, of course. And when we got to be good friends uh, and we got to know each other well. We were honest with each other always. We had respect, mutual respect for each other. And when I took the job as general manager of the Braves, Bobby was so thrilled. Bobby was the first person who reached out and, and, and told others and then called me and said how thrilled and happy he was that they decided on me. Well, let's talk about that relationship because, like in any business, yeah. you're going to agree on things, disagree on things. So that first off season, heading into 1990, right. in the off season of 90, your goal, and everybody knows this by now, was we got to improve the defense, as you said, got to improve the field, got to do those things to help our young pitching. What were those right. conversations like with you and Bobby in that first winter? Matt, I'm telling you, and, and Bobby is not someone who will acquiesce. If he doesn't feel it, if he doesn't believe it, if he doesn't see it, he is not going to back away from those feelings that he has. He's a strong-willed man uh, and, and, and still is today, even in his circumstances. But, but uh, we had our disagreements. We, we, there were times, not, not flagrant disagreements, but 
We didn't agree on the evaluation of a player. We didn't agree on the on the uh, on the capabilities of a player. We didn't agree always on the the need for that particular player. But we never ever disagreed on one thing, and that was if this person is not a brave type individual, if doesn't have high character, focuses on himself and not the team, that person will never wear our our, our uniform very long. And and you saw you witnessed that fact that we we wouldn't countenance that, but but we disagreed, not always and not not very often at all because he and I thought a lot alike, not because, you know I I didn't want to I didn't want to uh, upset him or, or you know aggravate him or he didn't want to aggravate me no not because of that but because our minds or the kind of players that we wanted in brave uniforms. Um, you could have sent this to Bobby to one room and me to another room and say, okay, these, these 10 guys are out there uh, and they're available in trade or free agents. Who are the guys you want and put them in order? We'd have the same damn list. <laughs> Folks, let me ask you a question. When it comes to dealing with experts, don't you know they've got your best interest in mind? Think about somebody in the medical profession as opposed to you diagnosing yourself. You would never do that. When, when it comes to insurance... I would think, yeah, you can go shop your own rates, but don't you want the professionals to do it for you, the experts? Well, I'm talking about the Rhodes Group. My friend Clayton Rhodes and the great folks at the Rhodes Group, they did that for me, and you should know. You should be shopping your rates or having pros do it each and every year because the rates change so much. When I'm talking about home or car insurance, you could be saving a bundle if you have professionals like the Rhodes Group shopping for you. They did just that, and they saved me a couple of thousand dollars a year with home and car insurance combined. You can be the next to save a bunch of money with the Rhodes Group. I want you to go to their website. It's Rhodes-Group.com. It's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S-Group.com. Or follow me on Real Matt Land on Twitter. You'll see the link. You can click over and have them give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Rhodes Group. Locally owned, a great bunch of folks who are professionals when it comes to finding you the best rates. Go to Rhodes-Group.com. Have them shop your rates They'll give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Rhodes Group. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. John, I've heard uh, David Justice now many years later talk about that spring going into 91, how he knew how many young pieces because he played with them in the minors. And I heard Terry and it might have been telling you, if, if memory recollects, or Bobby, that things are going to change around here. We're not going to have that same old mindset. What were your realistic expectations about that 91 team when you got to West Palm Beach? My, my realistic expectations were that we were going to do everything within our power, everything humanly possible, to make the best decisions, to work hard or harder than anyone has ever worked, to build the Braves into a world champion contender as quickly as we can. And when that started that off season, when we all came together and we, and this group 
Um, and that's the way we did it, Matt. I mean, that is simply the way we did it. Um, I knew what the challenges were. I mean, Bobby was uh, Bobby was certainly knew what the challenges were. Even Ted knew and Stan Kasten knew and Terry McGurk, everybody knew. But the program that we brought in, the program that we put in place, combined with the work that the Braves had done before my getting here, was a beautiful thing. It fit like hand in glove. And we just kept driving and working and making decisions, uh, some, many of which were, were not easy. They were difficult because, you know, you just don't like to offload assets that are valuable and good or young and, and have a chance to grow. But anyway, we did the things together. Everybody was shoulder to shoulder. We had a wonderfully collaborative baseball organization group, scouting, player development, major league, all of that. I mean, we, I, I, was, I was the principal communicator of what our plan is, what our, what our goals are, what our timeline is. And, 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 and we kept going. I mean, in spring training, I would hold meeting with, meetings with the major league staff every, every spring, and I would talk about our plan, and, and I, would, I would have some motivational or quote-unquote inspirational items in there about, about why we're going to be no longer viewed as the woeful Braves, but as the competitive Braves and the consistently winning Braves, and one day the, the, the world champion Braves. As that season wore on, John, I just know as a, a teenager in this city, it, it captivated me to this day that I'll never have more fun as a fan with a team because, A, it was so unexpected, and, and B, it just took on this this run that any longtime Atlanta knows. So tell me from your perspective, you're the GM, but you're also sitting up there as a fan during games. You won a world championship in Kansas City. Compare that year to 91 and how special it was. 91 was remarkable. I, I was so honored and so thrilled by the letters I received. People, elderly people who had been Braves fans for a long time and followed, quote unquote, their boys, uh, despite their woefulness in the previous three years and, and, and they're being beaten more often than, than they should have been uh, or they ought to have been. But uh, it was so heartwarming for me, and to see the young kids wearing Braves T-shirts and Braves hats around the communities. I mean, that's what happened. We started playing like we meant it. We started playing like our players played like they cared. Bobby was, was the leader. Bobby was the inspiration in the dugout and in the clubhouse. And, and, and I loved what I saw, and I knew I'm not surprised that it happened. We made some big decisions to strengthen our team. We signed a whole infield. And Terry Pendleton is a free agent. We put Rafael Belliard at second base. We put Sid Bream at first base. Uh, made a deal for Otis Nixon that spring with the Montreal Expos, who we trained the same complex with at West Palm Beach. Uh, traded backup young catcher Jimmy Kremers to Otis, who was our center field guy. And, and uh, Keith. As a catch, was regarded as probably one of the best. So that unit, adding those guys to the, with those great arms that we had in our system, that were ready to matriculate to the major leagues soon and quickly, and be and be very good when they got there. We believe, and that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. It all came together, and from worst to first. I've heard, 91. yeah, all wins are, I mean, amazing and special. Some losses hurt differently. As great as that year was, how long 
did that seventh game loss, how long did that stay with you? And, and I mean, to this day, does it still, there's got to be certain losses like that that still probably have to irk you. Yeah, that, that, you're right. That was a that was a painful loss. I have to admit that that was really really. We had really we really thought we had the energy uh, and 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 the stimulation, and the players were all in, and they were playing their tails off and making and they sort of like our team right today, sort of like this team that we're playing in SunTrust Park with. Yeah, the same thing, the same blend, some veterans, a lot of young guys with energy and capabilities and and attitude that believed and and it was the same as that and and it was it was it was hard you would never have a circumstance where you work that hard everybody together works that hard everybody pulling in the same direction and 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 to get a chance to become the world champions and and to lose uh with that dramatic and wonderful turnaround we had that that was a tough one you know, I'm, I'm not the only general manager uh, that's that's had to had to figure out a way to compartmentalize those tough losses because you get a chance to celebrate a lot of great wins. So talk to me about and we'll look at the next few years because once all of a sudden '91 happens, it raises everybody's expecta- uh, expectations certainly, but there's also this like prove it to me again thing in sports, which is fair or unfair the way people treat it. So uh, tell me about the teams. Well, mindset heading into 92 bobby the young talent because you guys had assembled a nice young group that looked like they were going to be together for a while i'll I'll tell you what our attitude was our attitude was we intend not to let this fall backwards or to to slide backwards but to build upon what we did that first year and continue building and making those rosters that are put together those players that wear our uniform those teams that are constructed the key guys on the, the the leadership group that's on the field and on the team and in the uniform and in the clubhouse, we we worked at that. We spent lots of time considering that those things, and we supplemented and we and we uh, subtracted and we added and we supplemented and we did that all to try to sustain the excellence that we had managed to put together in 1991. Sustaining excellence, if you can if you can show your your owner. And, and the league and your fan base and your sponsors and advertisers and people who care and spend their money to show that they care, that you are in this and you know what you're doing as an organization, not just me, as an organization, and you're committed to doing it and you deliver the goods year after year after year, that's, that's, that's what sustained excellence is about. It's a commitment to sustained excellence that we had I know I had it. I know Bobby had it. I know Stan Caston had it. I know everybody that wore our uniform had it because it was made clear. This is what we intend for you guys to do every year. Yes, we're brought to you by the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. It's kind of my go-to. I'm a little bit lucky. I live in Woodstock, so I'm right around the corner to downtown Woodstock on Main Street to see the Daily Draft, which I've told you many times, it's the ultimate sports bar experience, not your father's sports bar. You're talking wall-to-wall flat screens, self-serve taps, craft bar, chef-inspired menu. And with sizzling plays ahead, if you're planning on tailgating both this summer or this fall, maybe you're going to MBS or Athens or on the flats, or you're hosting a game night at your home, check out the Daily Draft's newest menu edition, the Tailgate Box. Yes, you can enjoy their wings, boneless wings, a couple of sides, a bag of popcorn, and of course, their homemade jumbo cookies. Now, these are pre-order only. You can go to the uh, thedailydraft.net or give them a call at the Daily Draft to get the pre-orders in. If you're also looking for a new place to grab lunch during the week or even order on Uber Eats, check out the Daily Draft. They have 
a great lunch lineup for only 11 bucks Monday through Friday from 11.30 till 3.30. Again, go to thedailydraft.net or you can check them out on Facebook or Instagram. The Daily Draft, a unique experience from the moment you walk through the door, a walk-up window to order drinks from the sidewalk, craft beer bar, pool tables, darts, wall-to-wall flat screens. You won't miss a single second of the game. Go check them out today at The Daily Draft. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. So, John, tell me about this. So you guys get to the World Series again, and then we go to the off-season of 92, and as the story's gone... You guys were deciding, and this is such an incredible thing to me, especially for young people now listening to the way the free agent market works, that your choice was, do we want Barry Bonds or do we want Greg Maddox? Take me through those meetings and that decision-making process. Well, uh, it was it, well. we knew that they were the two best people out there. I mean, Barry Bonds was the best hitter in baseball. There was no question about it. Greg Maddox was the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, but that's not how it worked. We were, we were working on a deal – and, and had a deal in place, which I wrote in my book, Built to Win. Right. We had a deal in place, an agreement. Um, and uh, Ted Simmons, who works for us as a major league scout, was the general manager. And 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 he and I had agreed on a deal. And and Alejandro Pena was the principal coming back from us to them. And Barry Bonds was coming to uh, to us. And there were some other young players that we felt comfortable sending uh, to, to the Pirates. And and. And so it was in spring training. I was in West Palm Beach. I was in spring training, and we were to announce that Ted and I had agreed to. We were going to announce the deal uh, the next morning at I think it was nine o'clock. And so at eight eight o'clock, I you know I said I'm going to call Ted and just be sure everything's all set up there. We're 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 uh, coordinated properly and, and and similarly, so there's no nobody gets embarrassed because I had to have Alejandro Pena sign a special form to allow himself to be traded because we we signed him as a free agent. He could have he could have stopped. The our owner had to be told, and you know, so I did all that. And I called Ted and, and, and Ted. Hey, John, John, I, we're losing you a little bit through, yeah. this, through the cell. I, I don't want to, this is too good of a story. I don't want to yeah, start over there when you, you, got, you got in touch with you because we keep losing you in the cell there. Let's try that one. All right. Let me, let me get back. I'm in my house. Oh, I got you. Yeah. We, 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 we had a good connection and then it just failed here the last minute. Well, I, I, did, I mean, I've been in this chair for the last 15 minutes, but I'm going back to the first spot. Can you oh, hear good. me better now? Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. So you called Ted. Okay. I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, I advised him. We had made the deal. We had, we had Barry Bonds. This is brave. That's what I told him. He said, "Well, that's great. You know, way to go. That's that's what we need to do. There's a kind of move you need to make, and so on and so forth." So, I, and then I called Ted Simmons the next morning, and he said, "John, I can't make." I said, "What do you mean you didn't make the deal? We agreed, general manager to general manager, verbally, and that we were going to announce this deal at nine o'clock or nine thirty, whatever time it was today." He said, "Well, when I told Jimmy Leland." 
that I had agreed to trade you Barry Bonds in a deal, he lost it. He lost it. Mm-hmm. And he went to the owner, and the owner came to Ted and said, Ted, I, 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 I'm now in the middle of this, and I'm going to have to tell you that I can't let you make that deal. You have to call that deal off. And it was tough for Ted, and Ted's a wonderful guy, and and he should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Uh, he's a wonderful guy. He lost by one, he missed by one vote. But anyhow, he's a smart guy too. University of Michigan football player, smart guy. Anyhow, uh, and then that was a tough time for us. We we lost Barry Bonds. We had Barry Bonds. We had an agreement to have. He was a, he was a brave. And uh, and you know, it just it, it, there's nothing I could do. I mean, I couldn't make. I couldn't make the owner feel differently about her. I couldn't make their manager react differently. He was told by the general manager that the deal had been agreed to. That's a mad, it's unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so we had the hitter in major league baseball about ready to walk into our clubhouse and be a brave. And we, we lost him. And how did we recover? We signed the best pitcher. In Major League Baseball, so it sort of it sort of balanced out pretty well. Yeah, I mean it worked out. That Maddox character worked out uh, okay I'd here. Say. I'd say. Yeah, and, uh, we, and we could not have we could not have had both of them because of the financial the thing we talked about earlier in this conversation. We could not have carried both of them because of the, the you know the burdensome uh, amount of money. I mean, even relative to what they were making in those days versus today, but still, like, we couldn't have had them both. So. When when the when the when the bonds deal fell through, uh, we right away got on the phone and called Scott Boris and and in fact Greg was Greg had Greg was on an airplane when we called him. We were in Lexington, Kentucky that winter at the at the uh, Lexington. In fact, that was the winter I think that Carl Barter died of a heart attack in that hotel. Uh, not not because of the bonds thing, but just he, he just died. Uh, we we made a deal uh, with Boris. And we got and we got Maddox. He had just left the, the Yankees. He was he and his wife Kathy were there, and they were flying back across country to Las Vegas. And Stan and I got on the phone with with uh, Boris and told him, "Look, we're seriously interested." And he told he told Greg, he said, "Look, I I don't know if he's if he's going to change his mind or not because he he really wanted to be a Yankee." But he said he called. He said when I told him the Braves were interested, he said, "Well, call off everything else." I see what these guys are doing. I see how they're doing it. I see the people who are involved, and I want to be a part of that. Hmm. So, 93 again, the last great pennant race, an unbelievable comeback against the Giants. Unfortunately, the strike of 94. The world championship team of 1995, um, outside of it, people had said, in some cases, it was a relief to those um you know, within the organization, you had to look at it more as you know, the, the most grand accomplishment of all that, quote, the team of the 90s got the oh, championship. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the first thing you mentioned in, uh, leading up to that, to your question, the, 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 the coming back against the Giants, who are, I think had a 13-game lead on us, and, and we played like, you know, like devils, banshees, wouldn't be defeated, couldn't be defeated, uh, and wouldn't couldn't be stopped, and and you know they were they were starting to hear our rumble and hear us behind them, and 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 they they won home after having I think they won a hundred and one or two hundred three games, yeah, hundred three games, hundred three games. They went home. They went home, 
and we and we went to the playoffs. I mean, that's 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 unbelievable. We have a different system now that wouldn't you know they wouldn't go home with 103, 103 wins. They go play in a wild card or you know something else. But anyhow, uh, it was it was a great great time, and uh, and and then we you know we put together fourteen consecutive. All this ends, Matt. All of this ends at the fourteen consecutive division championships. Which, when people stand back and, and, and read sentences or look at Braves history, what? I mean, baseball people, Andy McPhail, this guy, that guy, whoever, said Chapman, Cashman called me every day for like two weeks. He said, I can't believe you guys did that. Nobody could do that. With the cost of players, with the managing rosters, we did it. And not in any professional sport football, basketball, hockey, you name it, has any team ever won that many division championships in consecutive order? Nor will they again. Nor will they. No. Nor will they. Uh, John, before we let you go, the call from the Hall of Fame, that achievement, I mean, that's everybody in the game's one day grandest desire, grandest wish. What was that like for you? You know, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I mean, I'm not being I mean I'm not being anything except honest. I never thought about ever being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was an executive. I wore a coat and tie. I mean, but, and not many of them do anymore, but I wore a coat and tie to my desk. I got to my desk and turned on a computer and talked to people on the phone and tried to make deals and try to make our team better. I didn't think about somebody saying, Well, this you know, keep an eye on this young worker snapper used to be in Kansas City, now he's in Atlanta. He could be a Hall of Famer. I never thought about it. Others apparently did and thought I was worthy. And, and I was, I was put up. Uh, I was, I was recommended to be considered in the uh, executive team building executive, not, not business executive or marketing executive team building executive. And I was, I was suggested to the Hall of Fame. They put me on the ballot and, 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 I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but it, it was a 16-person panel that voted on on those of us who were put up for for membership, and I received the unanimous votes. I got I got all 16 votes. It was pretty pretty overwhelming to me. I mean, the, the commissioner was 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 in that same class, and was one vote shy of. of I'm not saying that to embarrass the commissioner, but for people to think of me in that light as the unanimous candidate, little Johnny Sherholz from the streets of Baltimore, Maryland, who was grinding through jobs in Baltimore and Kansas City and Atlanta and doing his job and loving every minute of it, you know, that was pretty cool. The story, Very cool. Yeah, the story is an amazing cool. one. John, we appreciate you spending the uh, time with us and, and reliving some of those stories. I know the city of Atlanta who lived through a lot of that brave run, appreciate it, so thank you. Well, thanks for the, for the uh, allowing me to refresh my memory and to, and, and to go back and relive those wonderful moments. Yes, we're brought to you by the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. It's kind of my go-to. Uh, I'm a little bit lucky. I live in Woodstock, so I'm right around the corner to downtown Woodstock on Main Street to see the Daily Draft, which I've told you many times, it's the ultimate sports bar experience, not your father's sports bar. You're talking wall-to-wall flat screen, self-serve taps, craft bar, chef-inspired menu. And with sizzling plays ahead, if you're planning on tailgating both this summer or this fall, maybe you're going to MBS or Athens or on the flats, 
or you're hosting a game night at your home, check out the Daily Draft's newest menu edition, the Tailgate Box. Yes, you can enjoy their wings, boneless wings, a couple of sides, a bag of popcorn, and of course, their homemade jumbo cookies. Now, these are pre-order only. You can go to the uh, thedailydraft.net or give them a call at the Daily Draft to get the pre-orders in. If you're also looking for a new place to grab lunch during the week or even order on Uber Eats, check out the Daily Draft. They have a great lunch lineup for only 11 bucks Monday through Friday from 11.30 till 3.30. Again, go to thedailydraft.net or you can check them out on Facebook or Instagram. The Daily Draft, a unique experience from the moment you walk through the door, a walk-up window to order drinks from the sidewalk, craft beer bar, pool tables, darts, wall-to-wall flat screens. You won't miss a single second of the game. Go check them out today at The Daily Draft. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Guys, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks to Brian Murphy for producing the podcast, and thanks to you guys for making us your weekly destination. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Madland. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, uh-huh. and parties don't stop yeah. till A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.